Philippa kicked us off in a new series. And we're really looking at Old Testament heroes and what inspiration we can draw from those heroes. And I guess we're looking at it in the context of Hebrews chapter 11. And um, if you're not familiar with that passage of text, it is widely known as the Hall of Faithers, Hall of Famers, Hall of Faithers. And it sort of lists out um, all of these names and says things like, well, by faith, Abraham set off to a distant land. By faith, Moses parted the Red Sea. By faith, Abraham did. By faith, the prostitute Rahab housed the spies. And it lists out all of these sort of heroes, I guess, throughout the Old Testament. And not in any way that they were perfect and um, free from flaws and failures in their own lives. But what they did have is they had faith. And they had faith in God. And it's Paul who tells us that it's faith that pleases God. And it's faith that attracts the grace of God into your life. And so I guess from that context, we're looking at these Old Testament heroes and what we can draw from them, what inspired their faith, um, what were they good at, um, all of these types of things. So last week we looked at Jacob. No, it wasn't Jacob, Joshua. You get the J's mixed up. Yeah, Joshua, because I'm speaking on Jacob today. Um, so we're kind of, you know, there's no sort of order to this. Um, so we're looking at the life of Jacob. And um, one of the key themes in the life of Jacob is just this identity piece of his life and him working out what that sort of looks like and God's grace in his life, although he was a schemer and a cheater and a supplanter and his journey. And so today we're just going to be looking at some of his journey. So if you're with me, uh, you can turn to Genesis chapter 32. And uh, we are going to read this. Uh, so it says here, Genesis chapter 32, verses 22. That night, Jacob got up, took his two wives, hello, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was all alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he replied. The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with human beings and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose up and as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip. 
because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Father, we thank you for your word. We know that it is ancient, yet it still speaks to us today. It is relevant for our 21st century modern lives. Lord, you can speak to us from this amazing text and you can make these words so real and relevant in our lives today. And we ask that you would do so, Lord. We ask that your word would continue to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Illuminate our way, Lord. Touch our lives this morning. Change us, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you for the weather. And everybody said? Amen. I think it was 2007, our family decided to move from New Zealand, which is the place that I grew up in, uh, to the United Kingdom. We moved to London for a variety of different reasons. We all had sort of different things going on and we, we moved as a family. Now, when I first moved to London or the United Kingdom, I realized that there were some mixed messages going on. Now, although we both speak English, and that's cool, there are some cultural differences around the world. Have you noticed that? Um, even if you go to America, there's some really weird cultural differences. <laughs> um, there are cultural differences anywhere. I mean, Kiwi culture, for example, okay, is, is quite sort of relaxed. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> quite chill. Um, they're on the bottom of the earth, you know, nothing's really happening there, so they've just got a nice lifestyle. They can just kind of chill out and have their little slice of paradise down there, okay? Quite practical people, quite direct, and uh, will tell you quite straight up, okay? But uh, when I got here, I realized that that was not necessarily the typical English culture. Don't take any offense to what I'm about to say. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, what I realized is that English culture is renowned for being direct, indirect, sorry, in the way they communicate because being polite is of far more importance than being understood. Am I not correct? <laughs> okay, and the American understands me. Preach. Okay, you might not all understand, but we know, okay? So, for example, okay, I was reading up some little, like, you know, funny, like, quotes and that sort of thing on the cultural differences, and apparently, you know, one of your classic lines is this, I'll bear it in mind. You ever, you ever found yourself saying that before? Okay, yep, of course you have. I've found myself saying that over the last couple of years, yep. Which means, right? <laughs> well, well. <laughs> she knows, she knows. But you say it, and the other person thinks, oh, okay, okay, they're going to think about it. But what you're really translated as being said is, I'm not going to give it another thought. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, okay. What's another one? Another one is, that's not bad which I felt really like weird about when I first came because I was like, okay, so if bad's there, is, is not bad just slightly above not bad? But I realized that not bad is actually like really great. Like it's amazing, like it's not bad actually, that's amazing. Another one what I realized is, um, this is the classic, okay. You must come for dinner. Have you ever? <laughs> that is classic, I'm sorry. <laughs> which is like, okay, I'm expecting an invite in the post, but is really translated as saying, I was just being polite. I'm not talking to you again. <laughs> is, is that just about accurate? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's okay. A little, little too close to the bone. <laughs> 
mixed messages. I mean, there are, there are all sorts of different uh, cultures, aren't there, across the world. American culture is another classic one where they exaggerate everything they say and what they say is direct, but not always accurate, you know? <laughs> so uh, it's, uh, it's funny. You can go to different places all across the world and you can experience mixed messages, can't you? But I want to submit to you today that there are some things that transcend all cultures. Has anyone ever seen Mean Girls before? Okay, great film. <laughs> Your kids have probably seen it. Um, mean Girls. Um, I don't know if you remember one of the first scenes in the movie. Uh, basically, it's the school cafeteria scene. And this girl called Katie, who's a new girl in the school, she walks in and she observes the school cafeteria. And then the narrative uh, comes over the movie and it says, and there were the skaters in this corner and there were the punks and the goths in this corner, and then there were the jocks in another corner, and then there were the mean girls right in the middle who sort of orchestrated this whole thing. There was this classification and this categorization of people, of groups, and I guess Katie felt like she didn't know where she could belong. She saw all of these labels, all of these cliques, um, all of these classifications, and she, I guess, felt like an outsider. She felt like she didn't really belong. Have you ever experienced that sort of a culture? Have you ever been labeled? Have you ever experienced the classification or the categorization of a label? Someone said, oh, you're not good enough. You'll never measure up. You're not smart enough. You'll never make it to university. You'll never get a good job. You'll never do this. You'll never do that. You are this. You are pretty. You are not pretty. You are this. You are that. Have you ever experienced being labeled before? I want to suggest to you today that this kind of, I don't know if it's a culture, but this kind of behavior transcends all cultures and all generations. And if you've ever experienced being labeled before, then you too can connect with this ancient Jewish culture. Why? Because they too were a culture who labeled, classified, and categorized things and people with visual labels. For example, when Isaac and Rachel have a baby. They have twins. When they come out, Isaac sees this boy, and he's got like kind of hair on him, but it's not just any hair, it's red hair. So he says, I know, I've got a really good idea. I'm going to call him Red. He categorizes this child by what he sees visually, a visual man. He says, we shall call him Red. I just call that lazy parenting. <laughs> The second child comes out, right? And the second child is grasping at the heel of his twin brother as he comes out of the womb. And his dad has another bright idea. He says, I shall call him heel catcher. Esau literally means red. And Jacob, or Jacob, literally means heel catcher. He is given this visual label right from birth. And it was this visual label that defined much of Jacob's life. He was seen as a supplanter or a schemer, and this seems to follow him. In fact, this visual label that was placed over his life at the outset, it defined the way that he saw himself. 
He, he thought that I've got to grasp at all that I can in order to get ahead in life. It defined the way that he related to other people. In fact, while his brother was sort of an A-type personality out there uh, catching game and that sort of thing close to his father, uh, Jacob was sort of awkward. He was kind of a mummy's boy. He didn't have much relationship with his dad or his brother. He stayed at home. He wasn't out there like the other guys. And he sort of secluded himself. He was, he was a little bit of a misfit. It impacted the way that he related to other people. And it impacted the way that other people saw him. Because as this visual label began to play out in his life, in his behavior, he was seen as a supplanter. He was seen as a schemer. He robbed his brother of his firstborn birthright. He cheated his father out of the blessing. And he ended up uh, robbing his own uncle of cattle. Uh, it defined the way that other people saw him. He was a schemer. He was, he was a cheat. He was a supplanter. And this visual label had such an attachment to Jacob's life that it became a self-fulfilling prophecy in his life. I don't know if you've ever experienced that in your own life. Maybe at school somebody said, you weren't good enough, you're never going to muster up, you're never going to make it to university. And somehow that visual label, that word, that attachment has become so close to you that, that it's become sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy in your life. And you don't know if you can really shake it. But there was another side to Jacob. And that was the side that not people saw but that was the side that God saw. And I want you to know today that maybe there have been words that have been spoken over you. Maybe there have been visual labels from years ago that have been placed over your life by people, by insecure people themselves. I want you to know that's not who you are. If it's a negative label, it's not who you are. Because that might be how one person sees you, but that's not how God sees you. And in this story, we see a, a man sort of playing out this label that's on his life. And it sort of brings us to this climactic turning point in the life of Jacob, where we see him have a wrestle with this God-man. The scene in the setting sort of around this, these events is that Jacob has, as I said, cheated his brother out of his birthright and firstborn blessing. And because of this, Esau, his brother, was so mad at him about this that he was threatening to basically kill him. So Jacob made a run for it and went to his uncle Laban's house in a foreign land. And he stayed there for 20 years while he gave himself a marriage and he managed to get for himself some cattle and he established a life for himself. But he has been an obscure son. He is 20 years in a foreign and distant land from his father, from his mother, and from his brother. But now he is sensing the call to return to his homeland. And as he returns, he gathers all of his things, all of his family, his cattle, and he makes the move back to his homeland. Now, in the process, as I said, he has stolen many cattle from his uncle Laban. He has supplanted, he has cheated his uncle Laban out of all of these goods. And so he is now making a run for it. He sent his family across the Jabbok River. He said, go ahead of me. And then while he is en route, he hears that his brother Esau is coming out to meet him with 400 warriors. And he freaks out. 
It's almost as if all of his supplanting, cheating, and scheming has all converged into this one moment, and Jacob is desperate. He sends all of his cattle, all of his family and wives ahead of them to sort of make a buffer between his brother and himself. And even in this moment, Jacob is looking for a way to get out of this scenario. He's trying to slime his way out. He is not perfect in this moment. He is in the middle of this mess that he has created. And it's in this moment that God comes to Jacob. Aren't you glad that despite the mess we make in our lives, God still comes to us? I am constantly enamored with the way in which God, throughout the whole narrative of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, continues to come towards people like you and me. Messy people like Jacob, messy people like me, and maybe messy people like you. God is not intimidated. He does not hold himself back. He can't help himself, in fact. He is drawn to this situation. He comes to Jacob. He walks into the camp. And we see this remarkable play of events sort of unfold. We see Jacob wrestle with God. And this seems to be an unfair fight, doesn't it? I mean, this is not even. I mean, we have God of the universe sort of in man's clothes who has now come to Jacob and he is arranging a fight. I mean, I've seen some crazy fights over the years, WWE, WWF, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. I mean, there's been some outrageous matches, but this of all of them is kind of outrageous. We have God who is like unlimited, amazing, and then we have Jacob, the supplanter, okay? And Jacob wrestles with God. And I was looking at this text, um, this is not the first time I've sort of preached this message, but I was looking at this text um, over the last sort of two, three years, and especially a couple years ago, I was looking at this going, God, why did you wrestle Jacob? You know it's not a fair fight. You know you can beat him. Why did you wrestle him? And then I surveyed the landscape of my own life. And I realized that it's not a question of why, but rather it's a question of when. Because I think each and every single one of us find ourselves in our own wrestle with God at various moments in life. In fact, if you've been a Christian for even a minute, you've probably found yourself in some sort of wrestle with God. Maybe you've wrestled with faith. Maybe you've wrestled with your identity. Maybe you've wrestled with your future. You could have wrestled with any number of things. You found yourself in this wrestle as a Christian. But the great encouragement that Jacob gives us this morning is that he did not give up in the midst of his wrestle. You know, so many Christians tap out of the fight of faith in the midst of the wrestle. We're wrestling with faith, we're wrestling with our identity, and we say, it's too much, and we tap out and we say, I'm out of this. 
But Jacob, he stays in the fight. God tries to get Jacob off him, but Jacob hangs on with everything that he's got. He's so desperate. He said, I'm not letting go. And I want to encourage you today to stay in the fight. Hang in there. Hold on to God with everything you got, even if it's your claws. Hold on to God. Don't tap out of the fight of faith. Why? Because the dawn was coming. It was in the night that Jacob was fighting with God and the the sun was about to rise. There was a new day on the horizon and Jacob stayed in the fight. I want to tell you today that there is a new day coming about in your life. There is a new tomorrow. There is a new hope. The Bible says he has new mercies for us each morning, each day. He has more for you today. The question is, will you stay in the fight of faith? Hold on to God in the midst of your wrestle. And it's in the midst of this wrestle, as the dawn was beginning to break across the sky, God said, let me go. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I got to have you. I need you in my life. You have got to bless this. You have got to put favor on this. God, I'm so desperate. I'm in the middle of this mess. And I need you to bless me. I will not let you go until you do something in my life. And so God says to Jacob, what's your name? He addresses the seat of his identity. He addresses the label. Jacob says, my name's Jacob. Heel catcher, supplanter, schemer, cheat. That's all I got. I'm grasping at all that I can in order to get ahead in life. That's me. That's who I am. And God says, no, that's not how I see you. That's not who you are. And it's almost as if God draws a divine line in the sand. And he says, from this moment on, No longer will you be called Jacob, but I am giving you a new name. From this moment on, you will be called Israel, for you have been victorious with God and with man. You have a new name. I wonder today if that speaks to you. I wonder if you hear that message. Maybe you've been running through life and living out this self-fulfilling prophecy, something that's attached to you and it's just a behavior that keeps on playing out in your life. And man, I just, God, I need you. I need you to bless me. I believe that God would say the same to you today. That's not how I see you. Paul says it like this in Ephesians. He says that it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. It's in Christ 
that we have a brand new identity. It says in 2 Corinthians that he has made us new creatures. He has brought us from slavery into sonship. He has brought you from darkness into light. He has a brand new identity on offer for you. He says, that's not how I see you. I see you as a son. I see you as my righteousness. I see you as light. I see you as the lamp of the world. I see you as the salt of the earth. That's not how I see you. So right after this moment, God touches Jacob's hip, wrenches it out of its socket, and it's after this that God makes a run for it or goes back into heaven. I don't know what happens. It doesn't really say. But the Bible does say that Jacob limped away from this fight. And he was limping away a different man. He was walking different. Whenever God gets the opportunity to touch who you are in here and shape the way that you see yourself, it always changes the way that we walk and the way that we talk. It's in Christ that we find out who we are, firstly, and then what we're living for. Identity has a way in which it shifts the way we play out our lives, our behavior. It changes, it changes the way we walk and it changes the way we talk. Right after this moment, Jacob goes to Esau. He meets his family and he bows down to Esau seven times. And he has this amazing reconciling moment with Esau. And it's sort of a cherry on the cake as, Esau, as Jacob sort of plays out this new identity. He, 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 he's about reconciliation. He's not so much about supplanting and trying to evade Esau. He goes to him and he bows to him and he reconciles with his brother. You know, it's ultimately in the person of Jesus that we find this peace with God today. The life of Jacob, certainly in these events, can represent to us somebody who has sort of lost their way in, in life. And um, has been cut off from their family and many other things. It's trying to just fight their way through the events that play out before them. And in these moments, he meets with God and God has a dramatic shift in his life in which he, in which he, in which his life then begins to play out differently. can experience the same thing. You and I can experience this because of Jesus, because of what he did for us. This is on offer for each and every single one of us. And I wonder today if there's some way in which you just need to respond to this message. Maybe there are things still hanging on to your life, visual labels, classifications, something someone said, Then you need to shake it off come before God and you need to say, God, God, I need to see the way that you see me today.
I, I need that. I can't keep living my life through what, how other people see me. I can't keep living my life through what other people say of me. I need to see myself how you see me. And that is ultimately my prayer this morning. My prayer is that you would catch a glimpse of the way in which God sees you. And I believe that if you do, it can really have a great impact on the way that you live out your life. Just like Jacob. God, we thank you for your presence today. We thank you that you're here. You're here. Just like you were in the camp with Jacob. God, maybe there's some of us here today who are wrestling with you. We're wrestling with our faith. We're wrestling with our identity. God, I ask that you would put a strength into each and every single one of us. That you would give us the grace to stay in the fight, to hang in there, to find those answers to our questions. find the peace that we're looking for, to find the confidence and the assurance that we seek. God, right now, I just ask that you would would speak to people about who you are and about how you see them. We thank you that it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Jesus, would you reveal that to us today? speak to us.